And with the strains of Read or Die fading into the background, uh, it's time for another episode of Brave New Words! Yay! Yay! So, uh, in case you uh, don't know it by now, uh, Brave New Words is a book show brought to you by FabRadioInternational.com and also Starburst Magazine. Uh, we're also here along with our friends on the Wonky Spanner. On today's show, I'm here with my co-hosts. Introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Ross. I'm Del. And I'm Sai. So, hi. So, the show, the book we're going to be talking about is Mike Carey's Lucifer series. So, not one book, but many. Uh, but <laughs> coming up now. Across the world, the real alternative. FabRadioInternational.com Um, where are we? Yes, of course. <laughs> Lucifer by Mike Carey. So it's a comic book. It is indeed. Um, wow. Well, uh, see, I, I think graphic novel. Okay, sequential yeah. art, graphic novel, yeah. comic book. Yeah, I think I, as much as like that's an argument for a different day, and it's not really an argument. The way I see it was if that story was in word form, it would be a novel. It would not be uh, like five-page short story. Um, and that's how I differentiate the two. It's not episodic in the same way as comic books. Because you know, comic books are designed, you can pick them up at any point and you know what's going on. Um, and that wouldn't work for, for this. It is sequential and and a piece in its entirety ed is giving me side eye um <laughs> <It's more laughs> shut up del <laughs> it's more that the uh, lucifer originally came out on vertical comics mm-hmm. uh, like a whole lot of stuff that in the early 90s and 90s a lot of really good comic book stuff out came out and um, in uh, on the vertical level which is part of DC DC mm-hmm. kind of dropped the ball and we'll not really talk about that right now we might talk about that later but DC sort of dropped the ball and now Image is where you go to get the, the really cool reads yeah. and that sort of thing but it did come out in separate issues oh but yeah you, but you're right with Lucifer we've gone off the topic entirely yeah we've, we've started reviewing it in a very different way before telling anyone anything about it at all or, so, so, or what it is so what is Lucifer about um, so if you google it um, I'm just going to wait a moment until we know what the rumbling noise is. Slash shut the window. But you're here, so it's not my <laughs> motorbike noise, is it? No, it's, uh, it's the one of our distant neighbours uh, has a small lily. Really <laughs> 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 That's probably going to get edited out, listeners. Something wrong with his exhaust. Well, I was literally was just about to talk about Lucifer, so I know where I was. That's fine. Bit of silence. Um, so if you Google Lucifer, apparently it's an American fantasy police procedural dro- com-dram television series. Um, I'm so angry. <laughs> so, so angry. Have you seen the show? I, I haven't. Um, but what this blurb about this TV show tells me is that this TV show is loosely based on the idea of this graphic novel. Um Lucifer, it's it is um a fantasy story set in America. I'd never call it a com drum com dram. Um it's certainly not police procedural. I've got so if that's what the T V show is based on, then the T V show is very different to um 
to Lucifer, the the the, the novel, the well, the novels, the series. Um, so yeah, it is on Vertigo, like we've said. So Vertigo is kind of the DC's adult work, isn't it? Really, like it, it was DC's version of of Marvel's Dark Horse, basically, isn't it? Marvel isn't Dark Horse. Dark Horse is separate. I'm being is a it? Massive nerd, yeah. I thought I genuinely thought nope. that Marvel and Dark Horse were connected. Marvel don't really <gasps> have an adult label. They, they tried the Max line, or they had. They tried the Max line, it didn't work. They tried the Epic line, it didn't work. Marvel, because of where they fit in the world of comic books, mm. because they kind of straddle line between "Hey kids" and alcoholism and abuse kind of line on their stories. They, they kind of just let their readers make up their own minds. They do do adult stories, I... specifically, and they have like the Max line and the Epic stuff and so on. But Vertigo, Vertigo is unique um, in that sense. And wow. We've off the top of yeah, it. no, we have, but I've been, I've been miseducated because that's something that I've always thought was a thing. Very interesting. Um, essentially, Lucifer is a, a graphic novel series um, stemming from a world created by uh, Neil Gaiman in the Sandman uh, graphic novel series. Um, Sandman is uh, the story of a world in which all archetypes and all gods and and world of mythology and and well yeah like all aspects of religion does exist and play a huge part in in creating this this life that we live in um and in terms of the the lucifer series and without trying to spoil a sandman too much for anyone who hasn't um, read it in i want to say the sixth sandman novel um lucifer essentially resigns and no longer wants to lord the underworld um there's lots of reasons for that um which makes sense at the time and is quite in itself very gaiman-esque as well um but and that's where the lucifer graphic novel series starts we come into this story about a year after lucifer has resigned and handed over hell um and by this point, he's done six months bumming around in Australia surfing um, and has now opened a nightclub in L.A. Um, that's what the devil would do. Yeah, it, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to open a nightclub in in L.A. because I can. Well, right to you are no problem at all because he's got all the best tunes. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Record company and nightclub, obviously. Amazing, yeah, fair enough. I'm sorry, contemporary Christian worship industry. It's still true. <laughs> um, so what we we have here is it's not just the antics of, oh, that silly devil, like, running a nightclub. There's a lot going on. Um, he's clearly up to something. There is clearly a plan afoot. Um, it still keeps that Gaiman-esque note in that these gods and these archetypes and all these these um, uh, fantasy icons um, are still very much part of the story. Um, but essentially, it feels like, for, especially for the first six books, we have no idea what's going on. Um, you never find like th- there's no point where you're like, ah, oh, so this is what he's doing. Um, we get introduced to lots of wonderful characters and we go on all these like little little stories and tiny adventures they're all very dark as, as you'd expect them to be um, but yeah bit by bit we can see more of this plan being put into place yet we still have no idea what this plan is um, we get to meet some of his fellow angels um, some of which have, some of which haven't fallen or didn't fall um, which is again very interesting we see some of the characters from Sandman kind of coming into this and 
it's essentially i i i personally think the series is almost like the creation of a web isn't it all these little things tying in to this big thing it's like the devil's meant to be a master manipulator and therefore as you you read it the first time around and you go ah and then you read it the second time around and you go oh hang on that puts that into yeah, context and that puts that into context and Mike Carey is clearly because he's Mike Carey and he's very good at telling lots of stories at the same time that's his primary skill I would mm-hmm. say uh, if you've read um, any of his uh, like anthology style novels for example rather than Girl, uh, City, of, City of Sand and Silk is the one that springs to mind where it's lots of little stories that tie into each other yes. he's very good at doing that sort of multi-layered storytelling yeah absolutely because um, Mike Carey is also um, M.R. Carey, um, the author of Girl with All the Gift- Gifts, and the recently published um, Fell Side that only came out, I want to say, last month. No, it's out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's out now. Um, but yeah, that's his most recent work. Um, I think there's he has a definite voice and there's a definite interesting darkness there. The thing I find interesting is when Neil Gaiman introduces us to the Lucifer in Salmon, the Lucifer, Lucifer is they're they're kind of friendly rival chums. If you yeah. see what I mean, Flemish um, frenemies. Nice. <laughs> it's it's like because because the Salmon is about dream. Dream is one of the seven elements of reality. He's all things have the, all sentient things have the capacity to dream. Um, they have a destiny, which is to die. So they're the first two eldest. Then they dream because they have plans so Dream is next so they're the elder siblings so he, I've just greatly explained Sandman just in case you don't know it you probably already do um, but he, that basically makes him an upper level management type person yeah oh and we meet Lucifer Lucifer is also upper level management as upper level as you can get on the lower levels that he lives in but he's the <laughs> he's the you know he's the devil so he manages hell and all the souls from hell and then he quits, and there's a there's a meta reference there, and spoilers for the Sandman. But there, there's a you know there's a there's a whole meta responsibility thing. But in Lucifer, he can't escape who he is, and one of the things he is is a manager. You know, yeah, he, he's the responsible grown up, and there's so many people who's like, well, you appear to have quit your major job at this major organization, which is hell. And we'd like to hire you to do this now. And he's like, I, I want to play piano and, mm. and chill out with my weird assassin friend. Oh, Mazikeen. So, sh- shall we try and explain? Ma- Mazikeen in the comic books is she's got half a face. Uh, half her face is beautiful, half her face is hideous. And it depends on what sort of being you are, it depends on which side you think is which. Uh, Mazikeen is uh, a child, one of the Lilim, um, which is a child of Lilith. Um, so most of what we've talked about in terms of uh, biblical crossovers so far has been quite, um, well, I mean, all, all of it's Abrahamic, but um, it's all very Christian. But for people who may be not aware, um, in the the Jewish text, Eve was not the first woman. Um, the first woman was Lilith, which it's, is... It's not a universal Jewish text, it's more kind of... Yeah, um, yeah, sorry. Really, uh, Sort of in, in the similar that was that one that Madonna's all into for a while. Oh, the Kabbalah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a bit Kabbalah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not yeah. kind of like the the gen- general Jewish te- yeah. teaching. Sorry, well, no. In the same way that the Order of Angels is not in the Bible, the Order of Angels is in further further Christian works and yeah. arguably fan fiction that's been added on top. Very <laughs> book of there Daniel's are, fairly un- angelly, but then there, that's are, there are unreleased books Babylon, of the canon. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the non-canon. Well, the non-canon. But, <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. There are unreleased books that could be part of the canon. Literally, literally canon, because canon means word of God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, but it was um, on the maybe pile of the Council of Nicaea, you know. <laughs> yes, no. Maybe um, it's a second edition. It's kind of while not necessarily wide, wild, widely accepted. One of the things that often um, gives Lilith a certain amount of validity is the fact that um, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, first people on Earth, birth Cain and Abel, but Cain and Abel marry. Um, so that is one of the reasons that kind of people do see Lilith as a, a valid part is mm. because Lilith had children with Adam, but when Lilith was cast out, her children were cast out with her. Um, but in some stories, Lilith is seen as the kind of queen slash birth mother of demons, and that is who her her children are. And Mazakin is one of them. Um, such a such a such an interesting character, and she's she's not even like a protagonist, is she? She's just kind of a, his right hand, his left, sort of his lieutenant, I'd almost say. Most trusted friend. Yes. As much as the devil can have friends. Yeah. Um, because there's also the problem. Also, the problem he has, of course, is that as soon as he walks into a room, everyone assumes he's up to something because he's Lucifer. Mm. But I think you kind of... I don't think that they're unjustified in that, in this story of what, what Mike Carey's created. Because um, as much as it is like, I just want to play piano in my club, leave me alone. Um, he starts cashing in chits that people didn't even realise they had with him and favours that they didn't didn't realise they'd they, that he'd given them and, and stuff. Um, there's definitely a play from the very beginning. I don't think, even from the first book, you'd think this was a man who genuinely wanted to hide. So is this more of a... I haven't read it. Is this more of a Lucifer takes a gap year? He's you know he's, he's, he might return to his job at some point, or is it he's definitely quit, but we don't necessarily know where he wants. We to don't go believe him. Direction. <laughs> yeah. Or, that, or is it a, well he works in mysterious ways? He's definitely quit. Definitely, like there's no, no no part of your head would would think that the the character in these stories would go back, but you get the idea very quickly that there's a game plan. Right. You just don't know what that game plan is. You could argue and drawing from different sources. With Lucifer, when you bring Lucifer into a story, there is always a father and son parable going on here because Lucifer and God were best buds, he said, simplifying it, uh, <laughs> and then Lucifer rebelled. And with your taking, you know, Lucifer is now in hell. To take that story forward as a writer, you then need to, to change that status quo because mm. he's effectively, you know, Lucifer is effectively just hanging out. And different authors have done different things. With so various authors, go, well, you know, in certain Bible stories, certain bits of the Bible, Lucifer is more of a tempter and a trickster mm. rather than rather than the enemy. And then in some other stories, because the story requires the enemy, he's the enemy. Whereas in Mike Carey's Lucifer, he's very much his he's very much his father's son in the sense that he's walked away from his responsibilities which is one of the themes of Lucifer mm-hmm. but yet can never really walk away from who he is which means he's always responsible yeah and I'm seeing that in such a roundabout way that it's not a spoiler yeah oh yeah no it's not not a spoiler I think there's certain elements of um Bartleby in Dogma Ben Affleck's mm. character um the bit where essentially he's talking about Yes, they they've they've fallen, or the, well, they're they're about to fall, aren't they? In that film, but he's saying about how much he loves him. He's like, I love, like he loves God. He loves him so much, and yet you love you love this creator who then goes and makes smaller more rubbish versions of you loves them more and gives them gifts he won't allow you to have um and kind of i think there's certain aspects of that in lucifer as well he's not like just all evil 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 um 
I like the aspect of there's more to to the fallen than just we're horrible people. They're not they're not horrible people. They don't detest God and they don't they don't detest what's being created. Um, but because they made the decisions that they did and they fought on the side that they fought, those are consequences that they're they're always going to have to live with. There's a because the, you mentioned briefly the TV series and you started to get angry about it. I've seen some of the TV series and they do do the thing. One of the problems of doing any vertical comic book comic book as a TV series is so many people of many of the material. Thousands and thousands of copies of these books have been sold um, and read and have been passed around. And for a lot of people, comic books are a thing you read in college. Mm. And people read, you know, at this point, let, let's be honest, The Sandman came out over 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, it's so old. Um, I, did, I, I did Lucifer, I did, as did Preacher, as did a whole load of comic books came out ages and ages and ages ago. So they've been read and read and read and passed mm. on and passed on and passed on. Yeah. So when you do a TV series, you can't just redo, you've got to find something to riff off. Mm. And from what I've heard of Lucifer and the articles as a TV series... They've riffed on established stuff. There is a comic book out at the moment called Lucifer, which is not by Mike Carey, mm-hmm. which is a riff of the current series, uh, of the current TV series, and of the comic books. Oh, <laughs> God. Tries to tie the two. Uh, How many levels can we abstract this away from the source material? Uh. But there's a wonderful bit where, um, without giving too many details, a relative of Mazakin right. finds themselves at a satanic party and wackiness ensues uh, I, and I, I read this and there's, there's kind of this kind of this idea of someone who's basically born of hell but is slumming it on earth going to a, a satanist's picnic and going picnic really really picnic. <laughs> maybe I should get one of my uncles um, <laughs> sort of, that, that, that sort of vibe and there is that there is that sense of humour in, in the original Lucifer comic book as well and mm. the the, um, the line the Yahweh dance <laughs> which I just love as a concept. It's like, well, how was the world created? Oh, he didn't just go in the beginning. It's a dance, mm. and it's a it, he. Carey breaks it down as a metaphor for again the themes of responsibility and entity and forging your own way, but yet never really being able to stop being who you are. He said, being terribly pretentious. Uh, he does that in one in one issue. He does that with the concept of creation as a dance. As a dance, not like the hokey cokey. Oh, is it not? Out, I don't know. <laughs> shake it all about. Do the hokey cokey, turn around. That's what it's all about. I mean, that's high science, really, when you think about it. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's that's what it's all about. Oh, hokey cokey cokey. Um, oh, but there are these beautiful things like that, though. Like, there's a huge discussion of like free will and determinism throughout as well. Um, yeah. And and I, because I love stuff like that. Ethics is a really interesting yeah. conversation, and you do just get these these fantastic ideas. Because as a, a sort of slight Bible scholar myself, I would be interested to see how far it's sort of touching on that stuff. It's it's difficult to say because at the same time where you've got these biblical themes and stories, he can be having this while sat down around a table with Loki. Mm-hmm. Um there's mm-hmm. so many different kind of um like you've got these theological concepts that are being discussed while you've got other religious archetypes in the room it's but that that is also that is one of the very game and s qualities of it as well um i would say from a from a bible scholar which i'm not uh, point of view i but i am a scholar of stories and of yeah. weird stuff yeah. um i would say it's inspiration not dissertation mm. right 
very, very much so. Mike, Mike Harry has clearly picked up yeah. a, a book, like one of the primers for a Bible scholar, yeah. and gone. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting idea. There were, you know, they, there was this tribe back here yeah. who this happened to. Well, I can build a story around mm. this and bring them into yeah. the, the Word of God. Um, that's actually a plot point. It kind of does that sort of builds a thing around them. Um, but yeah, the concept of worship as well, and don't worship and do worship. But Vertigo, I mean, Karen Berger, who is the editor of Vertigo for DC, because uh, in case you've a very, very potted history lesson for, for, for uh, DC Comics. Essentially, they had this guy who was writing comic books for DC, superhero comic book called The Swamp Thing. And it was this oh, guy yeah. called Alan Moore. <laughs> don't oh. know if you've heard of him. <laughs> Um, and he started writing um, very grown up, very adult sort of take, and it caught a new audience. Uh, roughly the same time, they had this guy called Jamie Delano who started writing a spin off character from the Swamp Thing, this magician called John Constantine. And he started writing Hellblazer, and they brought that in as well. Um, and while they were bringing these characters in, because they were trying to bank off the success of the Swamp Thing, they were like, well, Swamp Thing is quite an old DC character. Who else do we have? So they, they threw around some concepts, and they, there was this old guy who used to run around and gas people. Wore, wore gas mask. I used to send people to sleep with his sleep gun. And he was called the Sandman. Right. So Neil Gaiman was like, I'll do that. And Neil Gaiman was not famous at this point. He wasn't the Neil Gaiman. He was a guy who, up to this point, had been editing various scripts yeah. and drawing mm. on bras on Marvel comics. Uh, literally one of his jobs was, was doing censorship editorial stuff. Um, just making sure that it would, didn't break certain rules. Mm. At least that, according to Neil Gaiman. I don't know how much <laughs> how much of a thief that is. You just did that as a hobby. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, this because this is all pre Neverwhere as well, isn't it? Like yeah. this is before this the BBC is series. This, this is this is time ago. This is pre Vertigo. Mm. So Karen Berger is editing all of this stuff, and then some bright spark goes. Well, why don't we do all the edgiest stuff? Why don't we put that into one label like a record label does? Mm. So that way we can take different risks and we don't have to worry about audience mm. the lines blowing. And they're like, well, edge. What's a good edgy name? Well, if you have Vertigo, you're standing on an edge. Vertigo, it was. And that's that's that where that came from. So uh, the Sandman came along, Lucifer came along, and one of the things that was really popular amongst American audiences is religious stories. Yeah, mm. which is where we get Preacher, which is also out on the TV now. Well, they just started, the full series is out on June sixth this year, and uh, it's just the pilot so far that we've seen. Uh, I saw the pilot. I've not read the comics much and mm-hmm. um, uh, I had an, uh, an awful lot of what the hell have I just seen <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was, I, it was... I haven't seen the pilot yet but I remember being very excited because up until a couple of years ago there was very much a preacher film coming and Sam Mendes was going to be directing it um, because they were like he's a director who's already used to people throwing bricks at his house um, so people shouting blasphemy he's going to be fine with and it's not going to touch him um, but then all of a sudden people stopped talking about a Sam Mendes preacher film and all of a sudden Sam Mendes was producing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for the West End um, which apparently is very good um, but I thought that sounded very interesting, I like the idea of a TV show because obviously TV gives series give you more time more room to breathe um, yeah. but I'm, I'm scared just because it's that constant thing isn't it, of just please don't be shit there's some really nice stylistic choices in it I thought, I'm not knowing the books very well, not really being able to comment on it, I, I, it'd be nice to hear what your take is so um the idea of the whatever creature or demon it is um, that, that, that inhabits uh, our preacher man, it, it comes from space in the show, and you see it going through space in a 1950s sci-fi 
uh, sort of appearance, um, and then it, it it kills a couple of people because apparently they're not right. So that's so interesting. Already, just kind of your take on it as someone who hasn't really read them, and that being it's how just, you how you nutshell some, it. Some, something comes out of space and fly, you see it flying through the sky oh. in like a 1950s UFO kind of. Uh, look, and then it goes to Africa, and they find finds a little evangelical church. Jumps into a preacher. Everyone shouts, "It's a miracle!" He says, "I have the word of God." Then his head explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, then, then later in the episode, it goes into a satanic church in Russia uh, and it, it infests their magister, and he explodes as well, <laughs> having just declared he has the devil's word. <laughs> Um, and then later on the news you see um, Tom Cruise dies in Scientology church because it's got him too (laughs) yeah tea is coming out of my nose so preacher the comic book uh, this is spoilers for the very first issue not the first book yeah I've just spoiled the first episode the the, the first first chapter of the first book so spoilers wise not a spoiler you can read this on the back so um, so we meet Cassidy. Yes, who, we meet Cassidy in the show. Who is a who is a vampire? Apparently, uh, he drinks blood. He doesn't like the sun. Uh, he <laughs> seems to be very old. You can draw your own conclusions. Uh, we meet Tulip, who is a young lady who is very good with guns. Very good with guns, and has some problem with organised crime. Um, in my it. head, she's she's very uh, South America, like kind of Southern American as well. Like there's always this, drawl. yeah, that drawl and that voice in my head is just kind of almost synonymous with those, Everyone those pictures. Everyone is in the show. That's Everyone cool. is real deep South. Even Cass. Oh, oh no, he's Irish. As okay, anything. You that's fine. Then. You actually take most of the episodes tune in to try and work out what he's saying. He's, he's, <laughs> he's sort of a Brad Pitt kind of snatch style Irish, really. Just and you just. What? <laughs> what Excellent. What the what the first issue of the comic book does is it establishes the characters quite quickly. In the first episode of the show does the same thing, but in a different sort of way because Anvil is the main focus of the T V series. Anvil in the comic books were there for a day. Yeah. We're, we're there for a day and then we move on because there's there's more to it. The pitch for the preacher comic book is uh Jessica Ster yep. is a preacher. Um, he he's in town. Um, he hates where he is. We learn what later why the storytelling is much slower in the comic books than it mm. is in the TV series. We get caught up to what motivates Jesse very quickly in the TV series. Um, in the comic book, in the graphic novel, pretty much what happens is he gets sick of his idiot idiot flock, <laughs> goes to the bar and starts to fight, and basically says, "You're doing this. You're doing that. You're doing whatever. Come then get some and get pretty much." beats up a lot of people and then gets beaten up in turn. Mm. Um, and that scene with the, the, the scanner's head, yeah. that happens straight, almost straight away. So he gets hit by this force, yeah. possessed by a heavenly power, he said very carefully, possessed by a heavenly power, and then most of his flock explode. Right. As does the church. And he walks away, uh, carrying the word of God in his on his lips. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the thing with Preacher is that, providing he says it in a very specific way, he can make <laughs> you do whatever he, he wants. The TV show. He needs to get that right, though, because he words it badly in the TV show. And yes. Some yeah. guy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, there is a great scene, and again, this is the first comic book. There is a great scene where there's two angels standing in heaven looking at a, a big kind of heavenly stretcher complex thing 
And they go, well, it's broken. And it's like, well, well done. Well done. We can see there's a huge hole inside. Obviously, it's broken. <laughs> well done. You made it to Cherubim. We can see why. Great. <laughs> and this thing has gotten out of heaven. It's become unleashed. Uh, and it's probably going to get explained to you in the show. It's, probably, it's certainly explained to you quite quickly in the comic book. Yeah. Um, but it's an idea that Garth Ennis loves to play with. Mm. And to to put it without giving you too many spoilers, there's very much a iron curtain called war war theme running all the way through preaching. The 1950s sci-fi look to the TV show is is, is kind of an introduction to that. Yeah, it it brings that together as a kind of as a concept I think mm. is, is one of the things is that you know petty differences are irrelevant because they're more important things and living your mm. life is important uh, I'm guessing the biggest difference between the TV show and the, the, the book so far that we've seen uh, we've only seen one episode of the show so far mm. is the lack of swearing Okay. And the lack of knob gags. There was a lot of swearing from Cassidy. I'm not sure if you managed to understand it when you saw it. Because... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's a fair bit of swearing in the comic books. Right. There's a fair bit of swearing in the TV series. But there's less, trust me, there's less swearing in the TV series. Okay, mm. got you. Um, the, where, the one of the characters we were introduced to, there's a very mild spoiler, the mm. boy with the hole in his face. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh really sad. Yeah, yeah he's, he, you know how his face looks like an arse? Arse face. Yeah. 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 He gets called that... Because st- Cassidy just popped... Cassidy, who's a horrible person, pops up <laughs> and goes, hee that lad's face looks like an arse, and then he becomes arse face. Which is... I don't even remember his name now. Eugene. Is it? Eugene. <laughs> Eugene. <laughs> if you didn't know you were in the South before, Eugene. Eugene. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's one of the real problems I have with Garth Ennis. As, as one of the things I love about Mike Carey getting back to this mm-hmm. is that Mike Carey sits there and goes, I'm going to do these issues very carefully and subtly and so you don't realise what I'm talking about. Mm. So there's a scene with Mazakin. There's a series of scenes with Mazakin and Mazakin's marriage mm. um, where you're like, oh, well, that's about this issue and this issue and this issue and it's very feminist and it's very clever and it's made me think about this and mm. I've also had fun reading that story. Garth Ennis is not that subtle. No. <laughs> Garth Ennis gives, gives, gives no regard to subtlety at all if he wants to have a rant about racism he will make it as literally as black and white as he can Mm. Um, and if he can do that by having some poo jokes and some knob gags and some blood thrown into the mix he will Mm. do that because Mm. that's very much his style and sometimes I read Garth Ennis' stuff and I'm like dude just stop Dude, dude, I don't know. I don't need to see that. He doesn't need to pull his trousers. It's fine. Stop that. I wonder if part of that, though, is because, like you were saying, most people, when they read these, are at kind of university phase, aren't they? Um, And um, that's kind of the type of reader that they thought that they would appeal to. Um, It just happens that 20 years on, people are still reading them, and we're not really that type of audience anymore. Yeah. I, I I personally wonder that. But I do think there are, as much as they are both kind of religious stories, I think there are big differences as well. And I think one of the one of the ty- TV tie-in things that interests me is the fact that both of them have been made by Amazon, haven't they? Mm. Um, which is quite interesting because of the fact that they don't have network rules. Um, a lot of the TV series that have been made by like Amazon or made by Netflix go a lot further than a lot of other TV series would in, in the things that they, they create. And they kind of don't seem to have the same sort 
of um, censorship concerns. And so for that, I think they have the ability to be truer to the stories that are created than other network companies maybe would. Um, obviously, Lucifer, they've taken in a whole different direction. But ultimately, both of these both of these graphics are completely blasphemous. Um Lucifer is an affront to essentially kind of Christianity in terms of its uh, religious ideals. Um, and Preacher is massively blasphemous to the church. Um, so which one people would get more angry with, um, I don't know. But I think, <laughs> personally, I think the stuff that is literally like anti-church, anti-church, anti-church probably wouldn't go down too well. And that's why it's never been made before. I think Preacher, Garth Ellis is Irish. Mm-hmm. Glenn Favery, who drew all the covers, is Irish. I'm not sure about Stephen Dillon. I think Stephen Dillon is English. None of them are particularly Christian anymore, but were all raised in that environment. Mm. Uh, I've met Glenn February several times. He's definitely not Christian. <laughs> um, and there's very much a polemic. I feel I feel that Preacher is more polemic uh, against organised religion rather than faith. And actually, I think one of the themes of Preacher is faith is good mm. for the uses of faith. But if organised religion and pe- people are rubbish, therefore anything that people make can- is prone to being rubbish, therefore organised religion yeah. is rubbish, uh, is one of its points. Um, but also makes the point that you should not rely on faith to do things, do, do rather than, you know, and that sort of thing. It's an interesting rant. Um, whereas Lucifer, Lucifer for a start, I would argue, would kind of offend every single possible religion and the concept of belief in general, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, but would it though? Because it's more polite. It well, could, I think but would it? it's intelligent. Yeah. And like you said, there is a certain sensitivity there. And I think there is a lot of, I've, I'm telling a story and here's a story and this is fiction. But Preacher, you kind of very much get the idea that I'm telling you this because I am upset with, with the church, really. There's also, I mean, it's, it's Garth Ennis and he can't leave certain things alone. So he parodies... He parodies the whole redneck concept and the whole red blood is American idea. Mm. In the TV series, we very briefly see the meatpacking factory. Mm-hmm. I don't recall it, but okay. The, he's sitting in the cafe of the meatpacking factory yeah. where they all work. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that certainly won't get explored. Mm. Um, I can't remember if Garth Ennis is a vegetarian. I'd be surprised if he's not having red Richard. Mm. <laughs> um, but the, there's very, very much uh, that kind of a chunk to it. I, I think Vertigo, Vertigo did do an awful lot of intelligently you know, in, different levels of intelligence I think when it came to its writing and I think Lucifer and Preacher are the two that spring immediate mind but there were others I mean The Invisibles which they're never making a TV series and I'm seeing this in, in May 2016 I'm seeing <laughs> that they're not making The Invisibles into a TV series if you prove me wrong, you could literally knock me off of a feather because there's no way they're turning that Gnostic weirdness because mm. the Invisibles is just Gnostic freakishness. Mm. Um, is, is anyone familiar? Nope. nope. <laughs> right, with Gnosticism, okay. yes. With the Invisibles, no. <laughs> okay, so um, we meet the Messiah, the new Messiah, the next Buddha. He's a Scouse lad. Uh, and the first time we meet him, he's holding a Molotov cocktail, screaming, I believe the words are, fuck the police. Um, followed by, we are the boys, we are the boys, we are the Crocsteff posse. Um, yeah, the comic opens with a burning Molotov cocktail. There's a pink hand grenade on the cover. The, the Invisibles is about 
Gnostic exploration, self-discovery, chaos, faith, and that sort of thing. But it's also got a kind of sapphire and steel kind of magic, mystical root to it, if you see what I mean. They're a team of of renegade, urban fantasy, mystical sorcerer types. One of them is wearing a gas mask and fetish gear. One of them is pale. One of them is a transvestite, and so on. But you say it'll never get made. One of the things that people do quite well is read a graphic and go, I like this idea, I'm going to turn it into a film, but just this idea, and we're using the same title. Like I Wanted, the film um, with Angelina Joni, James McAvoy, um, Morgan Freeman. Um, it's it, it's a watchable film, but it's, it's, it's rubbish. Um, I read the graphic. <laughs> It is worse. It's it, the film is absolutely nothing to do with the graphic novel in any way, shape, or form, apart from the fact that there is this idea of of a, of a fraternity that exists, and that is literally the only similarity. Oh no, sorry, the woman is called Fox. That's it. The first ten minutes, the same. I don't think hugely. No, ish. He's, he's a he's a he's a a bit of a loser. Yeah, and then he he gets encouraged to be something a bit more and something a bit more. And that scene where he smashes the guy over the head with the with the keyboard. Yeah, and the keys that fly out spell out a profanity <laughs> as they fly out is directly from the comic remember. Yeah, and I know I know why it deviates at that point. Oh, because it's rubbish. No, they bought the movie. <laughs> they bought the movie right on the first comic book not the graphic novel right just the first issue the first issue <laughs> Miller sold the rights to the movie error and they hadn't finished the rest of it <laughs> you see I think okay so Wanted is Wanted as a but did you like it though so, so speak <laughs> yeah, of mine so speak of mine no I thought it was um, oh, it's just Frank Miller it's the there are certain okay. things that I did very much enjoy like I like the idea of an alternate universe where all the super baddies live but it's a superhero graphic they're not assassins that are quite good at stuff and can bend bullets. They're superheroes, but they're not superheroes because they're because they're part of the fraternity. They can like there's this bit where he rapes a celebrity because he can because when the police turn up, he can just show them that he's part of the fraternity. Like exactly like you can't see Simon's face, but that is probably the face you are making now. It's a stupid idea, a stupid concept, and it's rubbish. Concept behind one graphic novel by Matt Miller is this: you get all of Superman's fallen. So let's just say it's Superman. Let's assume it's Superman. It's not because they've filed off the serial numbers so they can do it as a different graphic novel. But let's say Superman. Superman's villains include magical space pixies, <laughs> wizards, and super geniuses. But they all fight each other because they all hate Superman. And the concept is that one day they just go, hang on, we've got access to magical space wizards. Um, let's just change reality. So they change reality so all the superheroes don't exist and all the supervillains are hidden. So all supervillains now live in their own horrible palaces and now get to rule the world. Whilst the supervillains, there's this wonderful moment where they allude to Batman, mm. uh, and it's it, Batman. Batman is now a washed-out actor living in LA, uh, <laughs> along with his 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 friend Robin, who used to be an ex-porn star. So. Uh, isn't it sad that Superman now lives in a wheelchair? It's that sort of meta reference that they do, and I agree, it goes way too far. Oh and yeah, crosses the line into being complete bobbins. Yeah, 
but as an, there's an there's a good idea there that's just done just turn, appallingly turn badly. Turned into nasty porn, basically. Just... Oh, it's just there's bits of it where you're like, this just makes me feel unwell, and not in like a oh, isn't it edgy way, like. Yeah. Ugh, but it's, the problem I have with Monty Nero's death sentence, which you can get on Titan Books if memory serves, is uh, the idea behind death sentence is it's another subject. We've gone totally off ball here, but well, the concept the concept of death sentence is uh, there is a disease that you can get, which I believe is called I think it's called G plus, which is not the social network. It's something else, <laughs> right? Um, and it's like G and plus, and it gives you superpowers. It gives you superpowers for twelve months, and then you die. Right, and. Essentially, a ego-driven, popular select British celebrity type, so someone who likes to talk a lot but doesn't really have much brain powers, gets super convin- super persuasion. Right. Um, meanwhile, other people are trying to deal with the fact that they're going to die, but they've got superpowers. But they're going to die, but they've got superpowers. But the meta story is this one guy who's all ego and no brains, um, very familiar celebrity if you think about it for a moment. Mm uses his powers to pretty much take over the country and it gets really nasty really nasty really quick quickly and you just sit there and you go this is a lovely idea and you've just done horrible things to the queen and a nun i officially don't care about this book yeah and it's just like you could have not done that and i would have enjoyed it you could have done something cleverer yes yeah be smarter shock shock shocking for the sake of shocking tends to just make things rubbish and i think sometimes the things people forget is that people's imagination is worse than anything you can actually show them Mm. um and there's ways of there's clever ways of getting people to the point you're trying to make without having to just do it because ultimately there's no way of doing it without it just being a bit rubbish slash just very rubbish um but i mean it's still i still stand by my original point as much as you're saying they're never going to make this story uh, for all we know they'll take an they'll like an idea of it and go with it but still use the same title because they can because technically it's on homage well bbc scotland did try and make it and they didn't understand the fund- fundamental like grant Morrison turned on and went well telepathy is very important to the story and someone was like what's telepathy at which point he was like right you're not gonna get mm. but things have changed and i suppose you can make anything um by the by if you want if you have an idea and you're like they should make this comic book into a tv series we can't do anything about that, but you can tell us anyway, and we'd be most amused. Um, so contact us via Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. Um, so it's goodbye from me, Ed Fortune. Uh, goodbye from Dell. Goodbye from Sai. Goodbye from Ross. See you again next week. Um,